who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. Each Monday, I bring you a brand new full-length episode covering something from a wide variety of topics. And then every Friday, come meet up with me again for a mini What's in the News episode so you can stay up to date on everything that's going on in the world. Check out Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And Ray John. Les hang out. Let's hang out. And let's talk about what lessons about. Let's hang out. And let's listen to two lesbians shout. Let's hang out. Let's hang out. out. Hey everyone, welcome back to Les Hang Out, the podcast where pack up your baggage, everyone. We are gonna process some trauma. <laughs> it's therapy time. I'm still gonna keep out. your intro and I'm just from the West Coast. I'm Lee yep. Holmes Foster. And from the East Coast, I'm Ellie Brigida. To those of you who have been with us through this whole journey, thank you as always for listening. If you're a new listener, welcome. We're excited to have you here. Here's what's happening this week. This week in the Lesdom. This Week in the Lesdom is a place where we can touch base each episode about things going on with the podcast or otherwise. We want to let you all know about our Trova trip. We have 13 spots filled and we have five left. You can sign up at bit.ly slash Croatia, September 21st through September 27th. And the last day you can sign up for that is July 23rd. We also want to remind you in season six, we are releasing new bonus episodes every month for our supporters on Patreon. If you want to catch all of those, I think we have nine that have come out so far. Our latest one was on Loving Annabelle. We had so many thoughts about that movie. So many. You can find all of that and more at our Patreon at bit.ly slash lespatreon. Also, our next Patreon episode is going to be on Ammonite. So that's going to be... Something else. Scary for that. Something else. In the greater Liz universe, I guess this is just in the greater universe in general, but uh, it feels relevant to I us. just feel um, like there's a lot of queer people who are involved yes. in it. I mean, A, okay. So the the news is the Writers Guild Association has gone on strike. I'm sure many of you have seen. Obviously, this is relevant both because we are people who love 
media, media. in a general uh, sense. I mean, especially queer media, sure, but none of our shows exist without writers. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because we just happen to know many, many queer people who are writers, uh, you know, both writers and out on the picket lines right now. So there are lots of ways you should look up the the WGA West and WGA East for how you can help support people who are striking or help support um, people who are out on the picket lines. Uh, But we just want to say, obviously, you know, we are very pro-union here uh, at at Les Hangout, and we are very pro-paying writers. So that's our message We are with you on the picket lines from wherever we can be. Yes. Also, we want to talk about a message from her, which... If you've listened to the podcast for a long time, you know we've had actually multiple guests who have worked at Her, the dating app. We even had Robin on, who is the founder of Her. And one of the reasons that we love Her was just completely reiterated when Her said, here's a message for transphobes. If you don't like it, delete it. Basically (laughs) saying that like the app Her is very supportive of the trans community and if you're a transphobe, they don't want you. They don't want your support and they do not want you on the app. So great, 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 great. They really I mean, they've always said, you know, they've always said it in ways, but I appreciate that they they really lay down the law. Yep. It's good. Can we how do we mass blast out our listeners um, to say the same? Yeah, thing? same thing to the listeners. <laughs> Turfs, not necessary to hang Get around. Out. Thanks, though. Yes, but okay. thanks. Yeah. In other news, Haley Kiyoko was just making news because she did a show down in Tennessee. And uh, the story is, I guess, she said she was approached by like an undercover cop who warned her against bringing drag queens up on stage because her show was all ages. They were like, oh, that's going to be against the law and, and all this stuff. Didn't let that stop her. So listen, Haley Kiyoko joining the lineup with like Lizzo of people who are saying, you know what? Fuck you, Tennessee. We're just going to keep bringing drag queens out at our shows regardless. And so, yeah. So that We're happened. We're here for it. Good for you, Haley Kiyoko. Good for you, drag queens. Boo on you, Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> true, 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 true. With that, that's what's happening this week. Back to you, Ellie and Lee. Thanks, Ellie and Lee. We are so excited to bring you episode 19 of season six, Hot Loss Puns. <laughs> and we are joined by a very special guest today. We have Liz Glazer, who's a winner of Boston Comedy Festival and Ladies of Laughter competition, a former tenured law professor, and just recently on the one-year anniversary of her daughter's stillbirth, she recorded her debut album, A Very Particular Experience. And that's going to be out uh, on May 12th. So coming out so soon, your first album. Hi, Liz. Welcome. Yeah. Hi. (laughs) Hello, Lee. Hello, Ellie. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it comes out May 12th. If today is May 8th, it's possible for you, the listener, to pre-order it, which I didn't know this. And I feel like I feel like everything in show business, you just learn it because you're suddenly in it. Thrown into it, yes. yes. Yeah, but so I feel, so I didn't realize this, but the way that iTunes calculates rankings upon release of an album is based on the pre-orders of that album. And so it could be, oh, you know, if you're number one on iTunes, right. I didn't know that either. If you're number one on iTunes, it could be because like 21 people pre-ordered your album and then it comes out on May 12th. And so if, as you listen to this episode, you like me and you want to help that ranking upon release, 
I would certainly appreciate it because, you know, it's a cool screenshot if you can get it. That's like yeah, how that's awesome. the record company. Yeah. So anyway, so that's, you know, beside the point in a way, because as I learn more about like show businessy things, I'm just like, right. But that's like not like none of it's the point. And also it's still cool. Yes. You know? Well, okay. What, what do, is the point? Yes. Then? <laughs> I'm ha. Huh. Well, I we're think, show bi- I'm a showbiz girl. <laughs> okay. So I'm curious. What's so, the point? I, it's a great question, Ellie. I think <laughs> the point for me, and I feel like I could take as long as this episode goes to answer this question. All right, here we right, go. Which this I, is it. I, I can, <laughs> yeah, I can sense that that's how the question was designed in a good way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are the best questions. But so I started, as you mentioned, Lee, I used to be a tenured law professor and then I quit. I left it entirely. So I say tenured, not because my mother wants me to so that I'm bragging, even though that's <laughs> even like though, also yeah. a little bit true. <laughs> and also it's like my mother probably be like, I didn't say that. And it's like, actually, you're right, mommy. I've internalized it so much. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. I think I have to say it. Is actually You're like, no, you might not have, but the you that lives in my brain right. sure did. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh, you don't know you? Yeah. You said that. Which you? But anyway, so, but the reason that I, that I say it is actually not so much because of the brag, but rather because of the why for me for stand-up, because I had the literal most secure job that anyone could have. I had just gotten tenure, which from a psychological and existential perspective for me at that time, which was 10 years ago, or I got tenure like 11 years ago. And then I did stand up shortly thereafter. And so the reason that I think that that's like significant in my life is because I had what I was like going for at the time. Right. And by that, I mean, you know, I went to law school. I was like, okay, gotta achieve whatever my whole like twenties, I'm 43 now. And so, you know, my twenties, my thirties were like very much animated by that specific kind of drive, meaning like, I got to succeed at work, right? I got to, you know, so I'm just thinking like, what were the currencies for me as a law professor? Oh, I got to make sure my article is in a top law review. Oh, I have a visit at a school that's like higher in US news. Oh, I got to get tenure, all that stuff. And to the extent that anything in show business mimics that, I feel like I'm allergic to it. Okay. (laughs) And so- It's not like, like I'm a stand-up comedian and I've won some stuff and, but that took a while for me because I feel like for the longest time, and I still a little bit like have this is like, it's not that I'm trying not to succeed, but I'm almost like really trying to uncover some deep truths and like, honestly find enlightenment and like get to some layer of the onion that is me that's like completely stripped of any, I don't know, like boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think honestly, I mean, that's like how I got sober. I've been sober for a while. You know, I, I quit everything. The thing I'm now working with is sugar. Which that's like the <laughs> that's the, the final kind of frontier for, for you. Yeah. Well, it seems like it. It does seem like it. But I say it because it's like the reason for me has been like, I want to mainline my personality, I guess. And just like have that be like, I can be the most me in any situation. And it's like hard when 
you know, the stages get bigger and you're taping something or it's a contest or, you know, however the stakes are high on a specific occasion can feel big. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I still enjoy it. And I so remember, like, for me, it was honestly a little bit less being a professor, a little bit more some moments when I was like a first year associate, which I had good experiences in law. But like, I remember like first year associate being up at four in the morning, writing a summary of a lease. And you think a lease maybe is like a two page thing. These leases are office space leases for hundreds of thousands of square feet. They're phone books. And I'm up at 4 a.m., you know, trying to summarize this thing that I definitely don't understand, you know, and the stakes are really high. And I remember feeling like, you know, bad in that moment. And now I have certain pressures like the ones that I was mentioning in, you know, show business that, you know, they're they're big, but they don't make me feel a kind of way that I did before, at least some of the time. It's right. like you so want to succeed, think, but yeah. but just a little yeah. bit, right? Like not too much. Well, I think like as well as an as an overachiever, as an overachiever, I think it's just like taking the pressure off yourself to hit a certain threshold yeah. is what you're sort of saying of like, if it happens, cool, but it's not the be all end all of my happiness. I think that's right. And I also think that like, you know, when whenever there's like, like people talk about imposter syndrome, right? And the kind of, of implied, <laughs> <laughs> the implication is that you're like, you have imposter syndrome and it's not real, right? Mm. Like you're somehow making it up in your head. I look back on myself as a lawyer and as a law professor where I really had imposter syndrome and I was like, yeah, I was right. The only thing that I am verified as is as an imposter. I'm the only like I'm I'm really a fraud. Right. <laughs> and that's how I felt. Not because I mean, first of all, my competency, like I, I taught a class that I got a C in as a law student. That's true. <laughs> and now I do a lot of shows for law schools and law students and law firms. But like I say that, you know, because. I think that there's a real catharsis on the part of certainly me, and it seems like the audiences in those shows, because there's such a pressure, I guess, a variety of different worlds, but to to assert competency and expertise where you might not exactly have it. Now, I won awards for teaching the class that I got to see in as a, as a law student, and I don't think that's an accident because I think I had to study and learn it to such a degree that I I do believe that I deserve those awards in the end. You know, it's similar for me. It was like I failed, I think it was three driving tests because of parallel parking. (laughs) Can I tell you, I am an astoundingly good parallel parker, okay? You have to be I don't mean to brag. (laughs) Exactly. And and I think that, like, I, I really love, like, that kind of story of, like, yeah, I failed so many times, and that's exactly the reason. It's precisely the root of my competency in that area. Now, in terms of stand-up, you know, yeah, like, comedy is about, like, nailing punchlines and writing and all that stuff, and I, I'm into that, but I think if I had led with it, if that's if I knew then when I first started stand up how much of it was that craft and almost like the mathematics of 
joke writing and telling. I don't know that I would have done it because it it mimics so parallel everything I left, right? I think I had to come around to it. So my first years in comedy, first of all, I never repeated anything. I didn't know you were allowed. I've heard that I'm not the first person who had that story to stand up, but I really, I didn't mean to do it. I did it. And like, like I did it because somebody was like, Hey, did you ever think of being a stand-up comedian? I was like, no, but I had a crush on her and she's like, I'll put you on my show. And I was like, are you going to be at your show? And I did it because of that. Okay. And the first time I, I ever that. did stand-up comedy, I, I told this to my therapist. Okay. I said to my therapist, I was like, I feel like I had a professional orgasm. Okay. That's, that was what I said to my therapist. And if you don't understand a professional orgasm, it's basically a regular orgasm, but I was a hundred percent sure that I was having it. Okay. And so that was <laughs> the thing that I did that like fueled me to leave, but it wasn't like, Hey, I'm, you know, good. I mean, I, I guess I felt a certain level of like connecting with the audience the first time or else, there would have been nothing to go on. But like, it wasn't so much like, I think I'm amazing and I want to be the best at this because yeah. I was so driven by that type of overachieving goal setting in like an earlier iteration of myself. And I came to all of this after I I got it. I got the thing that I was supposed to never get. When I was interviewing to be a law professor even the the professors of mine who recommended me were like, you're never going to get this job. And they weren't off base, right? But I, I love that I have that in my background because everybody says the same thing in Hollywood in one way or another. And so it's like nice to at least have hard evidence of like, well, no, everybody said I wouldn't get that either. So like, maybe I might be okay, you know, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. So anyway, I think the short answer to your question is enlightenment. That is why <laughs> I'm in it. <laughs> and end of episode. That's, yeah. It's that enlightenment. Was, that was good. I liked it. That's it. Well, I'm curious. I mean, that's your why for why did you get into comedy, which I love. You just did your debut album. Like this is, you said you've been doing comedy for 10 years mm-hmm. and it's the first time you've done an album. Mm-hmm. So what was like the catalyst for this first album? Yeah, well, so the story is more than just about the stillbirth. So one answer is I recorded this album on the one-year anniversary of when my wife gave birth to our first daughter, Leo Pearl, who was stillborn. And that I wanted to record an album about that and about grief and to tell truths that had punchlines and to basically have people come together to commemorate the day, which our friends and family might have anyway. And certainly Karen, my wife, and I would have acknowledged the existence of that day and the existence of our daughter in some way. And I was like, okay, well, why not trust myself to handle this topic with the kind of delicateness that it deserves, because I do trust myself in that way. And so that that's what I did. Uh, And I wanted to like, it was kind of like, I say this on the album itself, but also like the day was going to come no matter what. And I wanted to acknowledge it with something creative and positive because it was going to happen no matter what. And so, you know, I hope that 
people ha enjoy it, one, that um, they can learn something about the persistence of, of stillbirth and how rampant it is. And also, you know, that that like talking through grief is a way that people can acknowledge is an available, I don't know, use for performance and writing, yeah. you know, and stand-up comedy. But the other thing that I was going to say is that it is a longer story than that uh, because I was going to record an album called Born Sorry uh, when my wife was pregnant with Leo, our daughter. And then like one thing very quickly led to another with her preeclampsia diagnosis that then resulted in the stillbirth. And so that recording was postponed for Born Sorry, which would have been the first album. About three weeks after the stillbirth, I was like, you know, I think I have some things to say about this. I, I canceled all of my shows through the end of 2021, which was when this all happened, except for one where my best friend was having a show and he's like, listen, you can do a set. You don't have to, whatever. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I filmed it. And it was like me in like the rawest state you could imagine doing the jokes that I wrote in the hospital in a file entitled way too soon because they were just coming, right? Like this is how writers and comedians process stuff, right? Yeah. And so I didn't mean to have those thoughts. And, you know, I was just like, God, now I'm having like three of them. I should write them down, you know? So I, I did a set that was that and I filmed it. And then I also realized that I had a lot of the jokes about Karen's pregnancy and my feelings about Karen's pregnancy at the time already on tape. And I was like, I'm never going to do those jokes again. And I'm, I'm not going to do the album Born Sorry. But I wonder if there's an opportunity for me to cut together a documentary about the making of this album, A Very Particular Experience, which we also have on video in addition to the audio album, which will come out first. And so my friend Greg, who's an editor, and I have been working on a documentary entitled, if you like puns, Still Born Sorry, which is the making of like this hour after the cancellation yeah. of the prior um, planned hour. I, and I do love a good pun, but oh, yeah. God. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, it's the pun that's like so it's perfect. Right that I never, it's right, right there. It's right there. Right. I didn't, and Born Sorry is a punchline of a joke of mine um, that I, I mean, actually that one I sometimes do, which is basically the, like, it's after a, a whole kind of monologue ranty thing like I do, but then it's like, I don't know if you know, I don't know if I was born a lesbian, but I was for sure born sorry. And that's, <laughs> that's like the joke after an act out where I'm apologizing a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, totally. Well, but you know what I love, though, is is having listened to because um, just to talk about like the you know, you were talking about having doing something for the day, right? Like yeah. the day was going to happen regardless. And what I love totally. about the special is that like you talk a lot at the at the top about like, you know, you have like, yeah, your whole like your family and your friends and your medical teams and your <laughs> every, like every everyone's there. And like that. 
I love, like, I just, I love that aspect of, mm. I imagine it was even more so for people who were at the show but are not, like, in your close circle, you know, that it felt like, it felt like an invitation to be experiencing that day with all of you, you know? And, yeah. like, and that's a really neat thing because I think, you know, one of the the things we wanted to talk about, obviously, just in the context of like grief as a as a general mm-hmm. topic right um is like grief is tricky because it's yeah. it's it's not always it's not always an easy thing to know where someone's going to be with it mm-hmm. and right. how allowed you are to share that with them yeah and you know like where that level is and so this it's like it actually makes it very accessible oh right? thanks um in yeah. a way that i think is actually really important especially for topics like this because like grief in a general sense but i think especially things with like stillbirth is a very hard thing for people to know yeah i mean it's how a literal... do you approach you know like where are yeah. where is everyone gonna be at and what do you say and where do you land and like this yeah i felt like it it made it very it was like a, a a nice door opening uh, into like oh, having the conversation and in getting to have it in a way that that wasn't going to be too much for people mm-hmm. to to feel like it was like too much to know how to how to handle that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I appreciate that very much, Lee. Um, and that was certainly the design of it, and. You know, what I spent the most time thinking through other than like, okay, I want to do this story, this joke, like, you know, that obviously, but I really was like, what do I want to say? Yeah. You know, and I think this goes back to Ellie, your question and that conversation from the beginning of, of this conversation about the why, because I'm like, okay, like, yeah, if I want to put together like what do I want to win the Olympics of like saddest, but funniest comedy <laughs> album? Like, I don't know. You've you know, got a, but, you've got a good yeah, shot. Yeah, I'll you, tell you. you have a, yeah, you're a contender. You're but, a contender. But I mean like that, you know, I didn't want to go in with that because I was like, okay, I want to acknowledge the day, but I also want to think very deeply to the extent I can about what, how this experience affected me. I think that the, the insight that I meant for the album to really come through with was, can I decouple love and a fear of death? Because for me, those have been inextricably linked from literally before I can remember. And there's, you know, talk on the album about my inherited trauma. All four of my grandparents were Holocaust survivors. And so I do think that that like is folded into my experience of the world. I talk about, you know, how often my family and I are on the phone and saying, I love you and stuff like that. And I think that like really the the most resonant insight that I had from holding Leo was this is the only person I've ever known who I love and I'm not worried about their death because when I met her, she was already dead. Yeah. And, and I can I tell you, man, that part of the the special, like as a person who also has a lot of anxiety, um, yeah. and two kids, I was like, oh 
oh no <laughs> i'm like this yeah. is hitting some uncomfortable places because because it's yeah. so true it's like i have we have um friends who just had their first kid as well and like the the Congrats. wife has also a lot of anxiety and he's uh their son is still very young and i remember like when he was born and she, she had a really rough time with mm. just the anxiety like just the like yeah. I, how can i go to sleep what if he stops breathing? And we're like, you just got to go to sleep. And she was like, well, how do you ever stop worrying about that? And I was like, you don't. Yeah. You don't. I'm like, I have been terrified every day <laughs> for years. Yeah. Like, it doesn't ever stop. And there was something about, like, that moment where you were like, oh, yeah, that that didn't exist in that context. That's like, it's so real. And also, I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. Is that what it takes <laughs> to stop worrying about that? Is that? Well, <laughs> And I don't know the answer to that because it's not like just having that experience causes the worry of death to disappear. No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure like I I mean, because I know you you mentioned on that album like you are yep. interested in, in you know, restarting that yeah. whole journey. Um, yeah. And I don't imagine that fear is going to be right. less this time around, you know, like. Right. Right. It's, uh, if anything, I uh, knowing myself, I'm like, oh, God, that'd be so much worse, so much harder. Like, yeah. And Karen, Karen is pregnant now. She's eight and a half months pregnant. And so, Congrats um, you for know, her and thank for you. you. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate that very much. And yeah, I mean, the anxiety is like definitely still present, still there. But I, I think of it as the kind of insight that's similar to like mindfulness You know, like when you start learning about mindfulness and you're like, yeah, this is like all so true, like great point. Mm -hmm. And it's not until one or at least for me, I recognize that that's a daily, minutely, hourly practice. It's not like a fact that you memorize and then you know it. Right. And I think that, you know, the insight about love and loss Yeah, I think I think it did take that for me because, I mean, my worry about death has been ever present for me since I am as young as having a memory. I have never, ever Mm -hmm. not worried. Those are my earliest memories. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Which is great. We're we sound like very um health mentally healthy. I I mean, I think that's very I think that's very normal though. I feel like it's for your earliest memory to be worrying that the people (laughs) you love are gonna die. All right, maybe not your earliest. (laughs) Maybe not your earliest. My earliest (laughs) memory at some point you get yeah you get that in your brain. Yeah. And and so you know I think it is it was a it was an insight that I felt was like worthy of building an hour around And like, it was a helpful, you know, North Star for the hour because everything that went into it was like in service of that insight, right? Yeah. And if you're listening and you're like, but why do I have to listen to the album? I still oh, think listen that- listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Because we told you to, listeners, that's why. <laughs> well, and that's also, why. I think it's like the how you get there, not the yeah. fact that you arrived somewhere. But yeah, we're um, not we're not uh, spoiling the, uh, the album by mentioning one nice takeaway yeah. from it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I, I really, I think that like kind of unpacking the way like different kinds of grief that was like 
an important thing for me because like one of the things I think, I don't know, psychologically that is um, really confusing about stillbirth, at least for us, it was the grief of it is like when we lost my dad or even when we lost my cat, our cat Mona, like we knew why we were sad because you, you go to memories, you go, oh, you know, he would have done this or she would have done that or mm -hmm. whatever. And with Leo, we never knew her. So it's like, we didn't know what to miss, but then it's like, isn't that this lot, like you're grieving hope, yeah. you know, you're grieving, yeah. right? And all the possibility, you're grieving all the possibilities yeah. that are not. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's like, kind of, it's just a, it's an interesting psychological state and I don't mean that to minimize it. I think that's just the nature of how I might process a thing is to, yes, be sad, but also to almost simultaneously look at my own experience and be like, but this is weird and interesting and different because, and then list all the reasons and desire sharing them with people. And so, you know, I imagine that some people may not want to hear about a fear of death and stillbirth and other kinds of grief and all of it. I mean, I, for the longest time, because of my fear of death, I used to have to, anytime someone mentioned like in school or whatever, if someone said anything about dying, I would have to go wash my hands, like a total OCD, you know, thing. Yeah. And I would like have to go to the bathroom. And then after a while, I was like, I can't, go to the bathroom all the time. So I'll just blow on my hands and I would have to blow on my hands in multiples of 18, which is significant for Judaism. And so, uh, cause 18 means life and whatever I always, but I played 18 holes of golf. Well, I didn't, I played seven, but the, the <laughs> plan was to play 18 holes of golf with my neighbor. Who's also a lesbian. We have lesbians across the street. It's like the best thing ever. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's amazing. Right. And like, she's awesome. She's like, Hey, you want to play golf? I was like, absolutely. Like, this is all of the lesbian acceptance I've ever wanted in my entire life. Like a best friend, you know, she tells me she's like a, a weather watcher. And so she's got me with the radar on my phone. She's like, I think a storm's coming. You want to come over on the rocking chairs? And I'm like, yeah, Vicky. Yeah. So she's the best. But anyway, so, so she was like, Oh, you want to play golf? I was like, yeah, sure. And I, I'm not a golfer really, but like, okay. Uh, whatever you want to talk and walk around. And then it's like, it's like this whole thing with like, when do you know when to drive versus what, whatever anyway, but 18 holes is too many. Okay. <laughs> it's so long. It's, it's so, a whole day. Yeah. And I'm just like, My, the only yeah. time I've ever done anything 18 times is because of Jewish superstition. Meanwhile, there's like a whole <laughs> sport around it. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like, cause the only time I ever counted to 18 is because I'm like, something bad's going to happen if I don't like, I used to do the Nordic track. This is I'm 43, but even 43 year olds are like that thing. You hang up clothes in my mother's basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And so I would do the Nordic track, but because I did the skier, okay. My, the, like the palms of my hands would graze the outer edge of the hip pillow that's part of the contraption that is this exercise machine and every time my hand the palm of my hand would graze i would have to be like okay i have to graze it 17 more times <laughs> and like it was just ocd right until 18 because of yeah judaism Meanwhile, yeah but golf. you couldn't do the whole golf day no i couldn't well at one point i was like vicky can we have lunch 
And she's like, we can have lunch right now. And I was like, perfect. Because, you know, I mean, and honestly, oh, we did seven. Is that, you know, now I'm going to get in my head about that. I did not see the movie seven. I am way too scared of scary movies. Ghostbusters 2 sent me into, I couldn't sleep for a year after Ghostbusters. Oh my God. You got to okay? just so go like, back and golf also, 11 holes. I also like really once don't a year. like scary. Just once a year, golf one hole. You got time. Right. Also, like you have to, like you have to go with someone who, like, like my girlfriend's very into golf. Oh. Like she was on the golf team oh, in high wow. school. Okay, and so like we went golfing with sure. her, with her dad, and it's like you bring snacks, right. you bring a cooler, oh, like yeah. you are, like That's you know, why you, got you have the whole to know, cart like to haul all your shit around. This is the yeah. place you live, yeah, for like <laughs> eight hours, right? It's such a <laughs> and wild if you're not thing. prepared for that, then you're like, yeah, I'm starving, right? <laughs> I was yeah. starving. I really <laughs> yeah. was. It was like. But I love I love my friend Vicky. And so that's fun. But like anyway, so all of it to say I wouldn't have been able to listen to my own album without like I'd have to listen in the shower. okay, and then I'd have to take (laughs) 17 more showers right after. Right. Do you know how much you have in common with some of your favorite celebrities, leaders, newsmakers? I'm Evelyn, the host of Reppin, where you'll meet notable people you think, you know, You'll find out who they really are and what they represent. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts. So I get it. And also, you know, I was like, I think that this is a meaningful thing to do and that I bring something unique, you know, because what was I listening to? Like, I listened to like a lot of self-help, that kind of stuff. It's like all I'm just searching for a Bible. That's what I think, because honestly, mm-hmm. and I, I don't mean to sound like a heretic, but I think the Bible is a terrible book. OK, like I just <laughs> and I don't mean it like I don't like not written, like not written well, ha- like are you needed a better bored? editor or a hundred percent. I'm like, I'm, like, where's the pictures? Like, what are we? You know what, what it are is you talking about? I think it's like, OK, so the Bible, I'm guessing, is intended mm. to guide better behavior. Right. You. Yeah. I I think that was the original plan. Yeah. I'm guessing that's whoever the authors were. They wanted a society that was living right. Okay, I do not read any book without wanting that outcome. Like I am my best self on week five of like an eight week audible course that is supposed to change my life forever. Okay, I am the audience for a book like that. For the Bible. Okay, for the Bible. <laughs> if the Bible was a better book, but the Bible, unfortunately, mm. I'm like, I need a vulnerable story about the author to start, you know, oh, I used to be a, an addict and then I got, you know, whatever. So give me something that's like, now I'm with you, right? Yeah. And here's what I do. And first of all, it's like all these things that's telling me not to, like, I don't want my neighbor's wife. Like, none of it's relevant to me. And this is the stuff that I'm <laughs> supposed to be I think you should just on. covet more and then it'll be very uh, applicable. Uh, then right? you'll understand Yeah, then you'll the get Bible. it. <laughs> just doesn't apply to you. That's all. Maybe, yeah, maybe you don't you're right. Too good of a person enough. already. Got to go out <laughs> and just, you know, start taking your neighbor's goats home and then figure out what to do right. with them. I was listening to a podcast And I think the guy's name is Kevin Kelly. And um, he was saying, don't aim to be the best, aim to be the only. That's like a thing, Mm. which I was like, okay, yeah, right. Exactly. That's like the reaction to all Mm. (laughs) self-help. Yeah, 100%. And so, but that's how (laughs) I thought of it. 
And I, I, I didn't, I wasn't thinking specifically of that, first of all, because anachronistically it does not make sense because I heard this like last week and I recorded the album a while ago, but I feel like in some way there was an element of that going into recording. Cause I was like, I am the only person I know right now who has experienced this from my perspective. Right. And I'm a comedian. Like if this existed already, because somebody else had made the album, I might not have recorded it because Mm -hmm. then it's like, okay, well, I mean, maybe I would have, but I'm just saying like, I was like, I don't know anybody who's talking about this. And I've been through so much grief in the past like year and a half. And the extent to which I was scared to know when I could laugh again and all that was so real, especially because the whole time I was a comedian. Not only did I have to think about laughing, I had to think about like, when am I going to be able to go on stage and make other people laugh? And I had a literal dead baby as the topic. So it's like, what? You know, so I I do feel I'm not like everything happens for a reason gal necessarily because I'm like, I have no idea. Right. None of us knows. However, to the extent that I got into this business, right, because I was trying to like really find my true mode of expression and then I am met with these circumstances Again, I I would hate if that is the reason, because I, I'm just like, what? Like you had to sacrifice a baby? Like why? That said, it is what it is. Like yeah. it happened. It's yeah. super terrible, but it happened. It was something that forced me to really contend with like, what am I doing comedy for? W- why? Right? Yeah. Well, and that's, I feel like it's, I think, I think the reason's backwards, right? Like, do I think it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, this is why that had to have happened to your daughter. Sure. No, it's like, right. but that did happen to your daughter. And that's the w- one way or another. That's the reason you're here now, right? Like, that's yeah. that's why you're, yeah. that's how you got here, you know? And it's yes. like, I think you can't, you can't try to make it go the other way because that's totally, uh, I, that just feels like it's going to open up too much. Yeah. Yeah, I just am always like sensitive with that because, you know, especially in grief, I mean, people say the darndest things and, you know, there's so much. I mean, we're all just like walking through life. Like, how do we know how what happens? Right. And the fear of death is all consuming. And there's, you know, great, like really good works that contend with that problem. Right. The denial of death and man's search for meaning and, you know, lots of lots of like kind of really, um, I don't know, important, better than the Bible works, right? (laughs) (laughs) But you know, that would be so great. Yeah. You know what? Something that I love, though, is like, because one of the things Ellie and I um, were talking about uh, real quick, too, when we were like, brainstorming the episode yeah, yeah. brainstorming the episode yeah, yeah. a little bit is like something that i always think this is going to be such a long explanation as i try to make sense of all of the things in my head right now anyways sure, so bear yeah. with me one of the things yeah, that the i timer the hourglass timer for, yeah right know, no honestly, have an hourglass honestly timer we need like a little yeah like a scrabble timer i could yeah, use yeah. one of those too yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> so so someone time me and you can just like buzz at me when my time's up is one of the things that like we talk a lot about because Obviously, like we, you know, started this podcast and all this stuff and and at its core, like the 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 thing about the podcast that we wanted to touch on is like that there are certain things that queer people have as just like shared 
experiences and we are people Mm -hmm. who love like we love queer community we love like going to queer spaces and like you know all that kind of stuff and what i think is interesting about that is that like we do understand that like we are not all the same like all queer people are not all the same person and yet and yet (laughs) but and it's like and the and you talked about your cat earlier and i have a cat tree behind me (laughs) right there are some similarities but this is is what i'm saying but it's like and yet the thing that sometimes to me i'm like when you when you keep digging your way back down like at the bottom Mm -hmm. of it the reason that i think queer people always are like yes but you know what we all have in common is like the experience of the trauma of living in a society where you are not the Mm -hmm. norm right like we all experience otherness um, varying varying levels levels, sure but it's like but i feel like sometimes that's the thing that we all know about each other is you're like, you meet another queer person. You're just like, oh, you too, man. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. We, I know it. Yeah. We know whatever it is, we're going to find something that we have in common because we know we already have something in common. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. And so I feel so like true. there's there's something about that experience that I also mm-hmm. think tends to predispose queer people to mm-hmm opening up about and sharing our trauma in a different way maybe right where it's like we are i think a little more practiced in the way that like that tends to be sort of the underlying basis of a lot of queer connections right well like how you you how you tell your coming out story on a first yeah and then you tell your yes (laughs) and then you're like oh my god how were your parents about it like right it's like that's those are like our first like oh you're you're meeting someone for the first time let's like hit the basics of all of your trauma right like and there is something that i think is to me like whether it's intended or not listening to the Mm. special there is something that like feels queer about that Mm -hmm. right that just like feels like resonates as a queer person to be like oh yeah Mm -hmm. of course like this happened to you so like Mm -hmm. yeah come come do a comedy album about this this thing that happened that happens to other people as well you know and And that like some like you were saying like maybe some people aren't going to want to listen to the album and that's fine but i also think there's a lot of people who will because they yeah. will be able to relate and it will yeah. be like I comforting is maybe not the right word but like it will hit something yeah. in them to be able to have there be humor around yeah. that you know like yeah. that is a yeah well thing. also even just to know that someone else has gone through the same thing and is talking about it yeah yeah rather than I, like a lot of things yeah. with grief which like you sort of touched on before is like we don't talk like well I'm like maybe mm-hmm. this is me like my own thing but it's yeah. like I feel like there's certain cultures where it's just like mm-hmm. we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. too difficult. It's too, it hurts too much. So yeah. instead of like talking through it, you just don't. You sweep it under the rug. Like yeah, it's a thing that you talk about like every once in a while, and like you try to avoid it. That's how Kelsey's I, family deals yeah. with things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just don't talk about. It. If you yeah. never talk yeah. about them, it's better that way. Yeah, it's yeah. Good. And right. I don't feel like my family is quite like that. But it's like I feel like I mean even like when I think about like. My grandmother passed away when I was really young. Mm. And, like, my – like, every time she's brought up, I start to cry. And so mm. then people, like, don't bring it up, <laughs> which is also, like, yeah. yes. But also yeah. I found that as I get older, the more we talk about her, yeah. the less I cry, which is yeah. probably good. But all – you know what I mean? Where it's like, Ellie's okay, going to start just, sobbing. I'm going to start crying already. Two, but, like yeah. – <laughs> but yeah. there's, like, different varying levels of, like, people just feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So we're either just – we're just going to avoid it. 
rather than yeah. like talking it through. And you're talking it through on a very public forum. Right. Right. And yeah, I think those are both really good insights. Like, I think, you know, to your point, Lee, that the idea of, hey, there's a community of people that might feel othered because they might have had this experience and didn't hear anybody talking about it, let alone um, with any lightness or not lightness, like necessarily about the topic, but like that they're okay. Right. Like this is a living, breathing example of like, you can laugh again. You can gather in a group again. You can, you know, talk about Make this. fun of your mom yeah. in front of strangers again. Ah, like it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. A hundred percent. And so, so I did, I think, yeah, like, I think that's true that I was thinking about, you know, people who might want that example of like, I'm gonna be okay. I'm not okay right now, but I'm gonna be okay. Because I think as a queer person, that was like always what I was wanting to see. Like, (laughs) am I gonna Mm -hmm. be okay? You know, like in one way or another. I mean, I grew up when um, there were a lot of commercials about AIDS and getting HIV and AIDS um, like commercials on television. So like, you'd just be watching and like, that was like a commercial. And so I, they said at that time, if you're gay, you can get AIDS. And I was like, I think I'm gay. Do I have AIDS? (laughs) And it wasn't like, they they weren't clear on the details in the commercial. (laughs) Right. Well, because they didn't want to be clear because like being clear is like going to ruin the, you know, the acceptability of the commercial. Right. Meanwhile, you know, I'm sitting there, uh, what was I, 11 or 12, being like, oh, my God, I should tell my parents, like, I should plan for, you know, my death and all of this stuff, which, and I was really having thoughts like that. And it wasn't until my, I had a friend whose mom was our science teacher. And I, I went to Jewish day school. So, like, we didn't talk about sex, let alone gay sex. And I, because she was my friend's mom, and because she was our science teacher, but the com- the combination of those two, I went up to her after class and I was like, hi, can you explain to me why, if it's true, gay people get AIDS? Because I, I just like, I don't know. And I think she- Oh, bless that woman. <laughs> right. And she broke it down in a science way. And she's yeah. like, well, it's not about homosexuality. It's about like, you know, tearing and the likelihood of tearing and blood and like whatever. And she was able to do so in a very straightforward way that allowed me to like understand that this was a science-based thing, not some like punishment from God, you know? Um, And, you know, I I don't mean in any way to minimize like people who did contract HIV and AIDS, but also I don't think her explanation was like offensive to them either. She's literally mm-hmm. saying there's right. this and they didn't know about it and now they do and like people are taking precautions or whatever. Um cuz this was before, you know, prep. I mean, this yeah. was like way before. Yeah. Um so it was like really a death sentence um in that time, which is so sad. Um but uh but yeah, like I I I really appreciate when someone is able to just like tell me what the facts are right now tell me i mean in that sense it's facts in my you know album it's not facts other than this happened to me and i i do want to talk about it and then you know to your point ellie about just talking being 
kind of like a good in and of itself. I think like for me, I think about this a lot in terms of my grandparents being Holocaust survivors who hid uh, because, you know, the way that that and, and this isn't like on the album, I do talk about that, but this isn't stuff from the album. So this is like bonus stuff um, for people who are listening. But um, but like my my grandparents and my parents were very tight lipped about everything. Like I'm friends with my neighbor. My parents treated our neighbors like they were the enemy. Like, just like, you don't say a word to nobody, you know, like, Mm -hmm. because you never know who's Mm. a Nazi basically is I think the implication, which to be fair, they're starting to be right again these days, you know, which is depressing. Yeah. Right. And that, that is definitely depressing. And also like, yeah. So, so that's how I grew up is like fear. Everybody don't tell anybody anything. And I get that that was a product of like my grandparents influencing my parents because my grandparents had to lie and be silent to save their literal lives. Meanwhile, you know, my parents instructed me that way. It was like my, my mother's father told her, all I want, just don't be on the cover of the newspaper. That was like something that he said to her. And I remember my mother saying that to me once. And I was like, wait, but I want to be on the cover of the newspaper. (laughs) And I I remember her being like, yeah, I guess I kind of get it. Because like, you know, what's my thought is like, what's the point of my grandparents being so silent for me to also be, right? Because like, didn't they hide and not say anything and pretend to be non-Jews and whatever it was in order for me to be loud? Because if I'm not, you know, then like, why? I mean, if I didn't want to be, then that's another thing. But like, if I have something that I'm like, I want to say this, I want to tell everybody this. And then I'm not because I'm scared. I mean, and to your point, Lee, like, yeah, it is depressing how similar, you know, things may be. And also, I mean, I don't know. Like, I do take it like, I mean, four out of four of my grandparents survived, right? And so in a sense, that gives me pretty good odds. So if I'm going to be loud about being Jewish, to take that example, or gay, right? Maybe I can survive. Yeah. You know, I mean, I hope we don't get to that. But like, I want to lean in, I guess, to the kind of like, yeah, I'm going to say it, you know, because if that's a reason that like something goes bad for me. Hmm. Yeah. No, but I, you know what I like too is like, I think Ellie and I are both um, very, those kinds of people as well, you Mm -hmm. know, of just the, like, I would rather um, live out loud. Yeah. (laughs) Loudly. And I clearly, yeah. Like being super gay on a podcast, (laughs) but in the sense that it like ties everything all back together, I think is like, um, you know, something I was thinking about is like when you were talking about that sense of of showing like and it's OK, like I, you know, mm-hmm. this happened and and also like you can be OK yeah. afterwards um, and like you can still make comedy, you can laugh, you can, ha- mm-hmm. you know, like 
um, is like I I was thinking too like it's something that I always used to think about um, when I was teaching like in grad school like I was always explicitly making it clear to my students that like Mm -hmm. I'm very gay like this is there should be I mean a I look like this but like also you know like (laughs) let's not shy away from that like even Mm -hmm. because I was uh, I was engaged and got married while I was in grad school to my wife and so it's like you know when I Mm -hmm. when I was using the term fiance and fiance is ambiguous and I would like try to use the female pronouns as often as possible which like still I mean my students were like 18 year old college freshmen like many of them somehow still didn't pick up on all of this stuff Um, but the ones who needed to did and like that yeah. was why you know because I think it is important to for those kids to see because especially you know like I was teaching a, a big class at like Boston University mm-hmm. like there were hundreds of kids in this mm. class and some of them were coming from you know states and places and families from where not they had not <laughs> right. maybe ever had the opportunity of seeing someone saying like yeah hey here I am this is my life I'm getting married soon or like you know or this is my yeah. wife and this is like yeah we have an apartment and a dog and I'm very happy right. and like and it was yeah. important for me to know that like kids who needed to see that would get to see that sure. um, and I feel like you're what you're describing is like a similar thing you know totally. it's like a similar need yes. to like yeah there's the part of like doing it for yourself absolutely but I think it's like it's both of those right like yeah you're, you're describing both sides of that yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think you're right. Um, and I think that's great that you did that. Is that where you know each other through? It's no. actually not. <laughs> okay. It's we then met years later. We spent later. a lot of time in Boston. We never yeah, met in Boston. Yeah, I know. I was there for six years and we never knew each other huh. while we were both, uh, both in the same place. And then I moved wow. out here and the first year I moved out to California, we met at an acapella festival in Oakland. So, eh. Wow. Small yeah. so world. So you both you know? are singers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's yes. amazing. Mostly. Huh. And, no, we are both singers, Lee. <laughs> yeah, and one we, of us I, sings in, in like three different <laughs> bands right now. Um, and wow. well, one of us does not. So, you know, I'll leave that up to you to decide. <laughs> <laughs> it's, That's amazing. Oh, I want to see. I want to see both of you outside of the context of this Zoom. And also <laughs> see our we've legs. got we've got things we can send you. We've got. We've yeah. Got stuff oh, that's so great. Okay, yeah, great. we uh, last is it, was it two years ago, Lee? Like, I do not know what It came out in 2021, yes. Two years ago, we wrote a musical also, so. Oh, wow. listen to our musical. I would love to. It's, it's very, gay. very gay. <laughs> yeah. It's set in a lesbian bar, so, you know. That's amazing. That's all you need to know. It's <laughs> like cheer. It's like I, my elevator pitches. It's cheers of all the patrons started singing. <laughs> <laughs> and we're lesbians. That's great. And we're right. lesbians. Yes. Right, right. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Um, but yes, okay. Before we wrap up, because yes. we're pretty close coming in, yeah. we're coming in towards our Q&A. Totally. Is there anything else that you want our listeners to know about your special or anything you feel like we haven't covered enough or you want to clarify? No, I, I hope that people get something out of it. Um, like, yeah, I I really, I'm really proud of it and I'm really very like i really love it uh <laughs> which is a, a lovely thing to be able to say about my own work um and it is a lot of like what i wanted to do as a stand-up comedian um so you know i'm i'm super into it and i hope people are too and also like you know if people you could go to my website and email me uh i i answer 
So please feel free to do that. It's dearlizglazer.com. Awesome. All right. Are we ready for our Q and gay? Q and gay. Question number one. What does success look like to you? A, happiness, B, fame, C, security, or D, dedication? Hmm. Tough one. I love how I'm like, yeah. these are super fast, <laughs> multiple choice, but They're like, this is like the most like intense, and we're like multiple choice. Yeah. 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 Um, I think A, happiness. It's a good answer. Love it. Thank you. Question two. Have you ever changed careers? A, yes, B, no, or C, I need to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, A. Um, and uh, what if I said no? And I'm like, no. <laughs> it's it like was all so a lie. An yes. elaborate yes. ruse of a backstory. I very much have. And I'm always interested in, in knowing um, stories of other people who have as well. Yes. Yeah. Also, yeah. If you are in our audience and you have had a big career change or even a small career change, let us know. Hit us up. Oh, yeah. Totally. Question number three. How do you process grief? A, food. B, humor. C, music. Or D, avoidance. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, food and humor. Uh, Avoidance, I can't imagine. I feel like if I don't say avoidance, then I probably do avoid it. And so I'm Mm. like... I got to just throw that in for a good measure. What just was C? Music. Music. Oh, mu- yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ben Platt has that song on his debut album, which I really loved his debut album uh, called In Case You Don't Live Forever. And it's such a beautiful song. I could start crying um, thinking about it. And when my dad died, I listened to it like over and over and over again. Um yeah, so also music. Well, that's good because I, I was trying to come up with like a range of options and it's like I hit them all. There you go. Oh, yeah. You hit them yeah. All. totally did. Yeah. Okay. Question four. What kind uh-huh. of golf do you prefer? A, <laughs> golf, B, mini golf, or C, frisbee? <laughs> ah, I guess A because it was fun. That's the thing is like I enjoy and I like the kind of like setup of it. Um, I I wish just like half a course. You just want to do the yeah. first. Like people do the front nine can. or the back nine. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I I do like it, and I want to like it more. It's a good. It's goal. time. This is your this is your year to. You just gotta bring to it to next time. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah bring some totally. sandwiches just in case. <laughs> yeah. About to have a kid. Yeah. I think I'm gonna play golf. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Totally the right time. Notoriously, a time where you have just nothing but but free time. On exactly. Very, it so, would be yeah. a very yeah. very heteronormative thing for you to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Totally. <laughs> Bye, honey. <laughs> Going to play golf. <laughs> horrible all right question number five our final question are you friends with your neighbors a yes or b no well i'm friends with most most of my neighbors but then there's steve and steve (laughs) um it's like we've opened a can of worms i love it (laughs) well it's like okay so the first year that we were on the block they have a block party every summer Mm-hmm. And they block off both ends of the street, but I didn't know where to go in for my house because I was new. And so I ended up like driving and Steve owns a bouncy house, not rents, owns. And um, so he blows up the bouncy house for the party. And like he 
was like, what are you doing? You know, like you're going the wrong way. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, whatever. And then the following year, I was going out to the supermarket to get food for the block party. I didn't realize that Steve was already blowing up the house. Okay. And then I come in because it wasn't fully closed yet. And he's like, you did the same thing last year. And I'm like, now we have like a years long food. <laughs> and it was just like two mistakes and the same mistake. <laughs> and he's so mad about it. But Does yeah. Does Steve so, have kids so Steve. or just a bounce house? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was I, wondering too. <laughs> I don't actually know. Lil sus, Lil sus, Steve. <laughs> yeah. I don't know much about him. And I mean, the bouncy house is a real asset to the party. Oh, for like, sure. I mean, you know, and the party is like, it's but a blast. It's not worth owning a bounce house for a once a year party also. Maybe he he takes it out other places. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he Maybe has he a whole bouncy house deal. rental business. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. There you go. It's just like, it's so large. And I'm like, he owns, owns it. Like, it. It's, he has a second home. Yeah. It's a bouncy home, but it's, it's a home. <laughs> He's a real estate mogul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's on his business cards, I bet. Sure. Yes. And amazing. I also welcome being friends with Steve. It's just, I think he thinks that I'm like, you know, doing this wrong on purpose or something. But yeah. Steve. I'm not driving listen- anywhere. Steve, if you're listening to this lesbian <laughs> podcast, <laughs> yeah. this is the olive <laughs> branch that has been extended to you. <laughs> <laughs> yep, totally. Can you imagine? He's like, I heard you on that podcast last right. year. And right. you still did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Liz, thank you so much for hanging out thank with us. You. It was really thank lovely getting both. to talk to you about your special. Before we sign off, yes. will you just let our social let our listeners know yes. where they can find you on social media? Repeat your website again just in case sure. they didn't catch it. Yeah. And let them know how they can pre-order your special. Totally. So my website is dearlizglazer.com, D-E-A-R, lizglazer.com. Um, and my socials are mostly at Liz Glazer, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, um, LinkedIn. I I actually do quite a bit on LinkedIn because I do like a lot of like lawyers and law firms, mm-hmm. law students, whatever. Um, so all that's Liz Glazer on Twitter. My Twitter has been hacked um, no. and I'm trying to get it back. But if you notice, uh, it, my Twitter is at Elizabeth Glazer, but now it's like, apparently my Twitter has been tweeting about cryptocurrency, like once an hour, oh which God. if you know me, you know, I would only tweet about cryptocurrency like once a day max, but no, I'm kidding. I do nothing of cryptocurrency, but like, anyway, and I tried to get it back and I'm in the process, but don't, you know, Twitter is a no-go for me at least now, but all the other ones I'm at Liz Glazer. Awesome. Got it. Got it. And how can people pre-order the album? Yeah, pre-order. Yeah. So, okay. So you go on iTunes. First of all, I, in my Instagram stories, like until the album comes out and maybe also after, but after you can get it on Spotify too. But again, it's about the ranking upon release. So the way to, to pre-order it is you can go to my Instagram at Liz Glazer. I'll definitely put up a story soon if it's not already there with a link to do so. And basically you go to the iTunes page where you'll see a very particular experience. You'll see the album cover, which is me 
and a gravestone. It's my father's gravestone, incidentally. And um, if you scroll down, you should be able to press pre-order this album. If you are already an iTunes subscriber, then I'm told that you can add the album to your library and that will also do the same thing. Like you save it basically. And that affects the same outcome. Great. Amazing. Well, here's hoping you hit that. Oh yeah. We'll see. You know, you know, not that that's not that that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We've gone full circle. Here we go. You were full circle, full circle. Yes. Totally. You all are the best. Truly. This was really (laughs) A delight. I'm so glad that we met. I really, yes. I really yeah. met. Thank you. Yeah. Me too. Let me hear you say hip, 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 We love hearing from all of you. We love continuing to build this community. And we just like to shout out some of our favorite things every episode. This week, we want to shout out two two things on TikTok recently. One of them is from Ripley, who was commenting on the episode we did with Elle Mills. Uh, Ellie, where you told that story about someone... The interaction you had in the bathroom, misconnection. Oh and my god! It's them- the per- wait. It's the person. No, it's not the person. Oh my god! Wait, no. oh, sorry. I was like, they found me again. <laughs> no, their comment was exactly that. That they were like, uh, "You told that story about them finding you and like messaging you," and their their comment was like, "Wow, someone randomly finding your socials and then just like a bunch of red flags." <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, 100% correct, Ripley. Yes, red flags. Yes. Red flags all around. Red run, flags. Girl, run. <laughs> red flags all over the place. I agree. <laughs> Thank you for your support on that one. I just, I like how Ellie literally just had a heart attack. I was like, I've been <laughs> fat. I mean, also, why did I even have, like, of course, like, it's not like she never lost being, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, I, didn't, yeah. I don't think I blocked or anything. I just was like, eh, we're not, you know. Also... <laughs> We want to shout out Adair, who uh, tagged us in a TikTok about Cheetah Girls 2 being super gay. And then we need to add it to our shipping gay list. And I feel like that is a um, a Disney franchise that we haven't touched yet. And I, it's one of them. It's for sure, it is Cheetah Girls 1 on our list. Quite gay. Yeah. I don't know the difference between the gayness level of Cheetah Girls 1 and Cheetah Girls 2. I haven't watched Is it like them the in, difference in, in like Grease 25 years? Grease so. 1 versus Grease 2? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we'll that kind of we'll see we'll see how much gayer it is, but thank we'll you for the sure suggestion. We'll make sure we have both of them explicitly on our list. Yes. That's all. Yes. As always, I want to thank our lesbian Jesus patrons, Mark Foster, Tanya Ferguson, Alana Rosen, Lizette Stye, Adi Benitez, Fiona W, and Sophia Phillips. And our King Princess patrons, Amy and Ellen, Leah Henley, Andrea Doucette, and Julia Gonzalez. Thank you all so much for your support. We cannot keep making the show without you. Remember, you can also find us on all the social medias. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Les Hangout Pod. You can email us at leshangoutpod at gmail.com. You can check out our website at leshangoutpod.com. Whatever app you use for podcasts, make sure you subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes drop. We're also posting videos up on our YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe at youtube.com slash leshangoutpod to catch those. Les Hangout is an independently produced show hosted by us with audio production by me, our production assistant is Kristen Murison, and Twitter shenanigans by Lee Holmes Foster. If you want to help support our little team, the first thing you can do is leave us a rating and a review on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. It helps new people find the show. If you want to support us financially, which is a huge help for us, like we said, we are an independent team. We do not get funding from anyone else, pretty much from all of you. So we appreciate all of you. You can join us on our Patreon at bit.ly slash lespatreon, and you'll get access to all of our Patreon bonus episodes, which we've been really trying to release 
for all of you consistently this year. Our last one was on Loving Annabelle. Our next one will be on Ammonite. You can join at bit.ly slash lespatreon. If you want to buy some Les Hangout merch, we have all of our designs up in our Tee Public. Now is a great time to start ordering all of your Pride gear. Pride Month is coming up real fast. You can find all that at bit.ly slash lesshop. And remember, we have a queer production company making queer podcast musicals with guaranteed happy endings. You can find everywhere at at dollarbeanprod. You can also check out our website, dollarbeanproductions.com. You can listen to all the episodes of our first show, The Flame, on any podcasting app. And if you want to help support us in making more musicals like our next show, Journey to the Heart, which we are actively recording as we speak, well, not as we speak currently, actively recording (laughs) these days when we are not actively recording this podcast, you can join our Patreon at bit.ly slash dollarbeanpatreon. If you want to find us individually, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Ellie Bridgeta. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at LSH Foster. With that, I'm Ellie. And I'm Lee. And, and let's, let's hang, hang out, out again, again soon. soon. Let's hang out. out.